by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. We'll thank the Lord for, uh, for another year, amen. Just so grateful for the newness. Uh, if anybody's keeping track, this is two services in a row with no tennis shoes for me. <laughs> we'll, 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 see how this, we'll see how this goes. Um, but uh, <laughs> snazzy, I like that. <coughs> so I'm excited about uh, this year and this first service of the year. Um, welcoming all of us into 2020. And uh, our first opportunity to come and to serve together and to worship together and to pray together is, uh, I think, worth remembering. Um, this year, for, for me personally, I'm excited about all the newness, you know. Uh, it might not seem like much to some, but our, but our little The Way Cafe out there that we talked about and the work that went into that. Um, my son uh, will be turning 12 this Wednesday, so he'll be, he'll be graduating and going into, uh, amen, you guys can, he... We have a lot of kids that have come through the church and, and grown up here really uh, over the years, but uh, I have a picture in my mind of one of our first services. Nate was crawling around on the stage in the building that we were renting from somebody else uh, on Saturday night services, and he just had slobber coming out of his mouth on the stage. And uh, for him to go through nursery and then go to four to six and then go through uh, 7-Eleven. And uh, this week, like I said, next Sunday, we'll be praying him into the youth and trusting him to our youth leaders. There's just a lot of things that for me and for our family are new this year. And I was just reminded during worship, you know, Jesus, he, uh, he said, behold, I make all things new. Yes. And there's something about newness, right? There's something about something being new something uh, uh, changing. And I just feel like God wants to do new things in our lives this year. He wants to bring change into our lives this year. And if we embrace that and we seek him for, uh, for why he's doing it, I think that uh, all of us will be blessed. Amen? Amen. Amen. So our first series of 2020 is uh, going to also be about a first. This is our first service of the year. And uh, we're going to be focused on a first. The title of our series is The Archetype. The archetype. Uh, Webster's definition of archetype uh, is the original. Say original. original. Say OG. OG. All right. <laughs> Webster says an archetype is the original pattern or model of which all things of the same type are representations or copies of. All right. So it says there's an original, there's an OG, there's a type. And everything that comes after it is a copy or a model of it, all right? A representation of it. It goes on to say in Webster's, uh, archetype derives via Latin from the Greek adjective archetypos, formed from the verb archaean, to begin or to rule. 
And the noun typos or type also gave us the prefix arch, meaning principle or extreme, used to form such words as arch enemy, arch duke, or arch conservative. Archetype has specific uses in the fields of philosophy and psychology, and the ancient Greek philosopher Plato, for example, believed that all things have an ideal form, a.k.a. an archetype, of which real things are merely shadows or copies, and in the psychology of C.G. Jung, archetype refers to an inherited idea or mode of thought that is present in the unconscious of the individual. In everyday prose, however, archetype is most commonly used to mean a perfect example of something. It's a long definition, blame Webster's. <laughs> but we want to understand what an, an archetype is. It's the first, it's the original, it's the one that everything else is modeled after, and it's the perfect example, all right? So you get Plato, and then you get this guy, Carl Jung, the psychiatrist from the 1870s. And what he does, he takes archetype, and he says that when it comes to people, there's 12 archetypes, 12 types of originals, 12 types of people. And I want to read to you what these 12 are as we get into our series here on archetypes. The first is a sage or a wise man is what we might know it as. It says a sage is a free thinker. Their intellect and knowledge are the reason for their living and it is their essence. That's the sage. The innocent, say innocent. They're optimistic and always searching for happiness. They see the good in everything. They also want to please others and feel like they belong. Number three, the explorer. Say explorer. Explorer. A bold traveler. They set out without a clear path and are always open to novelty and adventure. The explorer has a deep love for discovering new places and new things about themselves. Number four, the ruler. Say ruler. Ruler. Uh, there's like three people. Say ruler. A classic leader, they believe they should be the one to bring order to any situation, and the ruler is stable and strives for excellence and wants everyone to follow their lead. Number five, the creator, say creator. Creator. Has a profound desire for freedom because they love novelty. They love to transform things in order to make something completely new. Number six, the caregiver, say caregiver. Caregiver. Feels stronger than other people do. They want to protect people from harm and try to prevent any danger or risk from threatening other people's happiness. Number seven, the magician. Say magician. Magician. Is like a great revolutionary. They regenerate and renew not just for themselves but for others as well, and they are constantly growing and transforming. Number eight is the hero. Say hero. Hero. Has an uncommon vitality and resistance that they use to fight for power or honor. They'll do anything to avoid losing. In fact, they don't lose because they never give up. Number nine is the rebel. Say rebel. Rebel. The rebel is a transgressor. They provoke people and don't care at all about other people's opinions. As a result, they like going against the grain and thinking for themselves. They don't like to be pressured or influenced. Number 10, the lover. Say lover. Lover. You didn't say it right. Say lover. Lover. (laughs) The lover is all heart and sensitivity. They love love, and they love to lavish it on other people. Their greatest happiness is feeling loved. They enjoy everything that's pleasing to the senses, and they value beauty in every sense of the word above all. Number 11 is the jester. Say jester. Jester likes to laugh, even at themselves. They don't wear any masks and tend to break down other people's walls. They never take themselves seriously because their goal is to enjoy life. And number 12 is the orphan. Say orphan. Orphan. 
walks around with open wounds. They feel betrayed and disappointed. They want other people to take charge of their life. When no one does, they feel disappointed and they tend to spy, or excuse me, they tend to spend time with people who feel just like them. So these philosophers say that these are the 12 archetypes, the 12 types of people that everybody else is modeled after in some way, shape, or form, or fashion. So as we go through this series uh, on archetypes, we're going to try to see three things. Number one, Jesus is the archetype of all of humanity. He is what all others are built after. He's the archetype. Number two, Jesus encompasses all of these 12 archetypes that the philosophers talk about. Within him, we can find all of these. And number three, a Christian must seek to become a copy of the original. Amen? Amen? Why don't we pray? Lord, we thank you for another year. We thank you for another service. We thank you for an opportunity to come and to worship you, Lord. We thank you that as we sing unto you, as we give unto you, as we focus our hearts and minds upon you, you somehow give back unto us and you bless us. You encourage us and you strengthen us, Lord God. We thank you for another year of young ones coming into a place where they can feel safe and taken care of, where they can be led down a path that leads directly to you, Lord God. We ask that you would help us in every area of service this year, Lord God, as we come into this place to gather together, as we gather in homes and life groups throughout the weeks, Lord God, as we just fellowship and spend time with each other, Lord. Let us be like you. You are the original. You are the archetype, Lord. Let us set our hearts and our minds and our focus upon you and becoming like you, Lord God, being filled by your spirit, Lord. Would you just touch your people here in this place this morning, God? Would you help us not to leave this place the same way that we, come, that we came in? Would you please do something new. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. amen. All right. <clears throat> so I said a Christian must seek to become a copy of the original. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What Romans 8, 28 and 29 is saying is that God knew you, God called you, he saved you, and he has a destiny for you. And what that destiny is, is to become like the archetype. He's trying to form us and shape us and conform us into the image of his son, that the son would be the OG, the original, the firstborn, and that everybody would be some sort of a copy of the original. That's what Romans is saying. Jesus is the archetype. God wants us to be conformed into the image of his son. So last week's message, the question was, what do you want to see in 2020? And as we began to go through that, we said, uh, we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus clearly, and we want to see Jesus more than anything else we want in 2020. Right? Many of us, we're, we're human, like Gary got up here and said, man, we want some finances in 2020. We want our relationships to be stronger in 2020. We want school to go well for our kids. There's a lot of things that we want, and God is okay with that. He gave us all these desires, right? But he wants them to be in order. He wants them to be expressed in a way that honors him, and that means that he has to be first. In 2020 last week, we talked about just wanting to see Jesus first. If we get everything else that we wanted, think about it right now. Everything you want in 2020. If you get it all, but you don't see Jesus one time next, this year, will you be satisfied? No. We have to remind ourselves of that. So this week, what we're going to do is we're going to flip that, and we're going to be reminded that Jesus wants to see you more than anything else this year. 
When you start thinking about, well, what does God want from me? And, and what is it that he's calling me to? And, and why is he getting into all these areas of my life, right? We can begin to think that he's just trying to uh, create these robots. But that's not what his desire is. His desire is to see you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to sit with you. Yes. He wants to talk with you. Oh, yes. He wants to be in worship with you, yes. right? He's an ever-present God. So of the 12 archetypes... Uh, that we talked about this morning. We're just going to look at one this morning. It's the caregiver. It's the caregiver. What the definition we just read says that the caregiver feels stronger than, any, than other people do, and they want to protect people from harm and try to prevent any danger or risk from threatening other people's happiness. Right. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Sounds like a caregiver. Somebody say Amen. He came to seek and to save, not to condemn and to, and to uh, hold under the thumb, right? He came to find us and to save us. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus said, I'm not coming to find a church full of perfect people. I'm going to find people who are broken, that need a physician, that need a healer, that need somebody to come and provide care for them. He says, if you're okay, then go somewhere else and you'll be fine with those other okay people. If you're broken, I came from heaven to earth to spend time with you. He's a caregiver. In John chapter 10, verse 15, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. He's a caregiver. And the last one, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And he sent me to to, uh, provide recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The architect, or excuse me, the archetype is a servant. He's a caregiver. Everything that his desire, everything that he's come to do in our lives is about providing care, blessing us. So we talked about this, this cafe that we have out there now, and Mary and I were fighting off people. We said, we want to be the first baristas. <laughs> We've seen them do it at Starbucks. We can do it. Right? It was not like Starbucks. Some people wanted regular milk, and they got something else today. Like, it was bad. Especially the first couple people that came through. They didn't get close to what they wanted. But the point is... Mary and I were like, no, we want to be the first to go in there. We want to be the first to serve. We want to model servitude. We don't want to just preach and sing and worship and lead. We want to serve. That's what our Lord does, right? He's a servant, and we want to be a part of that. Our elders and our elders' wives were here every day from Sunday uh, through this morning because we didn't leave till uh, after midnight, I think it was, last night. But they were putting things together and serving. They were cleaning the church, cleaning toilets, replacing broken toilets and then cleaning toilets again. There were so many things that they were doing, and as, as I sat back night after night, I would, I would tell Mary, like, man, it feels good to serve with these people. Amen. Nobody's here. Nobody's watching. It was also nice to give a break to the people that cleaned the church all year long, even if it was only a couple of weeks. Yes. It was nice to be thinking as we were doing all this stuff that, like, uh, when people come in, they're going to see something new. They're going to see something different, and they're going to be blessed by it. And I could see the hearts of your elders and your elders' wives in this place. And then we saw it come to fruition when, we, when people came in, they were shocked. They're like, this ain't the way. Where, where, where's that little tub of instant coffee that's been here for five years that nobody's ever drank? But here's the truth. While I see the heart um, of Jesus in what we were doing this last week and what I believe we typically do, um, 
You know what else was easy to see? How far off we are from the archetype. Like, I watched us serve, and I watched us do all these things, and, and then as I think about it, Jesus is the archetype. He's the perfect servant. And then when I looked at what we were doing versus what he does, it's like, man, we are not even close. <laughs> like, at least once or twice, a thought came into my mind, they better not spill. <laughs> at least once or twice, a thought came into my mind, these people better give a tip every now and then. Better clean up after themselves. Like, I'm human. I'm thinking these things. And I'm thinking about Jesus and the archetype. He just serves. He's like, I hope they spill so I can clean it up. Jesus says, I hope that they don't even have enough to buy it so that I can buy it for them. Mary's buying stuff left and right this morning. I'm like, baby, that's my card. That's our money. Like, (laughs) stop. Stop. (laughs) But the archetype, he's so giving. He never stops. This is John chapter 13, verse 1. It's our main scripture for the morning. You can uh, turn there and and stay there. John 13, verse 1 says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. A supper being, and supper being ended, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. But not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent or he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Stop there. Verse 17. What a story. Say true story. story. Sometimes we, we read the scriptures and we forget that it's real and that it actually happened. So there's just three things I want to touch on this morning with you guys. Number one, Jesus is meek. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's been a while since we talked about meekness. It's one of my favorite definitions. We say that meekness is power under restraint. Power under restraint, which means you have strength, but you control it. That's being meek. 
Sometimes we see relationships where, where one of the parties is uh, overbearing because they're bigger and they're stronger and they're louder and they may talk better or faster or quicker and they take that power and that strength and they oppress the other person in the relationship. Sometimes we see parents doing that to kids. Sometimes we see governments doing that to citizens. Sometimes we see bosses doing that to employees. Meekness is to have that power and to have that authority, but to hold it under restraint, to control it. Jesus is meek. He has power under restraint. We're not really focusing on it this morning, but I don't want us to forget that Jesus is not only the archetype of a caregiver and a servant, but he's also the archetype of the ruler and the creator. That means he is powerful and he has authority. Don't get it twisted. Just because he's serving and he's washing feet doesn't mean that he's not the CEO and the boss and the archetype and the creator and the ruler. It's undercover boss. Yeah. Right? Is that show still out there? Yeah. Right? Where you don't know it's the CEO and he's working side by side with you and helping you make sandwiches or whatever he's doing. When Jesus is, is serving people and washing feet, he doesn't lose his authority at the same time. He doesn't lose his power. What he's doing is he's being meek. His servitude is by choice, not because he has no choice but to serve. Does that make sense? Jesus is choosing to serve, but he has other choices. He's the ruler. He doesn't have to do that. He chooses to do that because of his heart. So what does he want from us? He expects us to receive his service. He expects us to receive his caregiving. He expects us to receive healing from him. But at the same time, he expects us to submit to his authority. Right? Lord, if you want to heal my body, I'll receive that. Lord, if you want to heal my relationship, I receive that. If you want to heal my broken heart, I receive that. If I'm poor and you want to heal me and, and, and pour out resources into my life, I receive that. But at the same time, I submit unto your authority, Amen. even if you don't heal, Amen. even if you don't fix, Amen. even if I stay broke, even if my relationship is just always hard. I submit unto your authority because I understand that when you serve me, when you do these things in my life, it's just because of a choice that you've made. You are meek. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's a good one, right? If you love me, uh, I love you too, and we're just going to give everything that you want. I'm going to give to you and everything that I want. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, expect you to give that to me. That's not what Jesus says. He says, if you love me. Everybody says, I love Jesus. And when we sing, it's raising hands and clapping. And Jesus, I love you. And then he says, like, hey, here's what I want you to do. No, 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 I don't do that. <laughs> I go to church, Lord. Like, that's all you're going to get from me. And these aren't my words. These are his words. What does he say? If you love me keep my commandments. I've asked you to do things. I haven't asked. I've told you to do things. And if you recognize that I have power and authority, submit unto that power and authority. In a message when we're talking about the caregiver and the servant, it's so easy to forget that he himself has said, I've made commandments and I expect you to keep them. If you love me. If you don't love me, do what you want to do. If you're just using me, right? then just take me for everything that you can get from me and don't do anything that I've asked you to do. How many of us, don't raise your hands, have been in a relationship where somebody's using you? Yes. <laughs> and you know it. They know it. And you don't even go to stuff like this and say, well, if you love me. No, you don't say that. You know they don't love you. <laughs> yes, 
Matthew 26, 51 says, Suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest. He cut off his ear, and Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? But how then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen like this? Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I have power. I have authority. These, these soldiers that have come to take me at night so that they can crucify me, they don't have power. I could say, Daddy, I need some angels. And he would send them and we'd smoke all these. I don't have to move. I don't have to do anything. But what does he say? I have power under restraint. Just because I can doesn't mean that I have to. He says, as a matter of fact, if I do it that way, if I use the power that I actually have to do something that the Father doesn't want me to do, what I'll actually end up doing is I won't make it to the cross and I won't save people. This scripture is just one of many, but it shows that Jesus has power, but he keeps it under restraint. He is the archetype of meekness. He's a servant. So number one, Jesus is meek. Number two, we say we. We. Say I. I. Say me. me. We need to serve each other. Listen to what Jesus says. You call me teacher. You call me Lord and you say well because that's what I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. Isn't that what, what the definition of archetype was? That it's an example, it's, it's the perfect example? Jesus himself says, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant's not greater than his master, nor is he who sent, is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. He's saying, listen, you're smart. You can read the scripture. You know what it means. But if you don't do it, don't expect to be blessed. You have to understand it. See that I'm the example. Do what I have done unto you. Right. And then you'll be blessed. What an example he set for us. What example has he given us? When we had nothing but sin and death and destitution, destruction in our lives, he came in with grace and he came in with mercy. When we had nothing to offer, right? Like imagine if you were coming to get saved and you had to bring whatever the best you had and hope that it was enough for eternal life. None of us had that. <laughs> And what does he say? Oh, no, you don't have enough. I told at least two people today, no, 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 that ain't free. <laughs> and I felt bad a little bit, but then I was like, I'm only working here for one day. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesus isn't like that. You come to him and you're like, um, I'd like eternity in heaven. I'd like you to prepare a place for me. I'd like you to take all the sin I've committed in my whole life and cast it as far as the east is from the west. I'd like you to take the sins that I haven't committed yet, but you already know that I'm going to commit, even after I come into your church and into your kingdom. And what I'd like you to do is deal with all of that and usher me in as if when I go to see the Father, as if he's looking at you. And then he says, okay, what do you got? I told you, I'm, I'm coming with my sin. That's what I got. And instead of him saying, you don't have enough, 
He says, no problem. I've been waiting for you. I've already paid the price. And then what does he say? What I've done to you, my expectation is that you will do that to others. How do we treat each other? How do we care for each other? Do we extend mercy when somebody owes us something? Some of us know who still owes us money from like seventh grade. (laughs) And if we see them on the street, it's gonna be a problem. In Luke 10, 27, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. How'd the song go today? More love, more power, more of you in my life. I will worship you with all my heart. I'll worship you with all my mind. I'll worship you with all my strength. That's the part we love, right? Like anybody could get behind a song like that. And then we read the scriptures like, Jesus said that too. Love me, love God with everything you got. More love, more power. But then you keep reading, you shall love the Lord your God, this is Jesus' words, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. We stop singing at that point. (laughs) I will buy my friends lunch. No, that that verse is scratched. (laughs) Jesus is telling us you gotta gotta receive it, but then you gotta do it unto others. Not just me because I'm your Lord and you love me and I'm God and all that kind of stuff. No, but to your neighbor, to the person sitting across from you, to the coworker that you don't like. To the neighbor like I have that used to cut his lawn sideways into my lawn so that I have to go cut mine because now it looks all jacked up. (laughs) Jesus would have just dealt with that. I put a giant concrete slab so that he has a straight line to stay on when he cuts. (laughs) Confession today, apparently. John chapter 21, verse 17, Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him for the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. He didn't say, well, then pray to me for 20 hours a day and read your Bible for another 20 hours. And then what I need you to do is just everywhere you go, you need to proclaim my name. What did he say? Love other people like I love you. If you say you love me, keep my commandments and do that for other people. And then we already talked about this one from John 10, 15. Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the image that we're supposed to be being conformed to. He is the archetype, the firstborn. So not only do we have to submit to his authority, but we have to love like he loves. Love like he loves. And it's not gonna be easy. Somebody say amen. That's going to take a lot of practice. Remember back in uh, the end of 2018, we were like, I'm going to start this in 2019. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be successful. And now it's 2020. You're like, I'm going to start this in 2020. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be successful. Because we didn't actually implement it last year. And we didn't practice it. The things of God don't just fall out of the sky. They have to be practiced and implemented and prayed through and overcome. So number one, he's meek. Number two, we need to serve each other. And number three, we have to learn how to have our feet washed by Jesus. Let me say that again. We have to learn how to have our feet washed by Jesus. I think it's extremely difficult for somebody 
to be born again into the kingdom of heaven and to learn how to serve the Lord. It's hard. When you first get saved and you're like, man, I thought I was just going to a service or whatever because she made me or he made me or life is jacked up right now. And then all of a sudden God does something and your life has changed forever. It's not like it comes with a manual that says, here's how to behave and here's how to talk to people. When they come up to you and say, hey, man, sister, you're supposed to say hallelujah, sister. Like you don't know how to live in the kingdom because it's different and it's foreign and people seem weird and it's, it's, it's all that kind of stuff. So when somebody does get saved, uh, what the Lord would have you to do is just like adopting somebody into a family. That's not easy for this child that didn't, wasn't raised by you or with you or in your culture to adopt them in. We've been listening to some folks talk to us about adoption and foster care and all the different unique things that come along with that. And everything I hear when we talk is like, that's the church. That's how the church is. When somebody comes in, it's so unique and it's so challenging. I remember what it was like for me when I got saved. Every single day, I wanted to like just explode or hurt people. I would go to services and like the pastor would be preaching. I'm like, Mary, what did you tell him about me? You guys are all in it together. (laughs) But I just, I was born again, but I didn't know how to be in the new family, right? So it's hard to learn how to serve God. But one of the things that, that, the, the Lord has been putting on my heart during, during the preparation for this message that I think it might actually be harder to learn how to be served by God. It might actually be harder to learn how to say, you're the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. You're Jesus Christ who was born unto us as Savior. You are God with us. You are Emmanuel, and, and you're going to serve me? I know how wrong I was, and once I really started to figure out, all I want to do is serve. How can I labor? How can I clean? How can I show up early? How can I stay late? How many extra services are there? Where do we have to go? I wanted to do all that stuff, but nobody told me anything, and it wasn't even on my mind to say, you know, how, how do I let Jesus serve me? It's foreign to us. I think it's actually more difficult to learn this part, so I hope you're receiving it this morning. What we do know is how to be the kings and queens of our own lives and how to serve ourselves. We know that when we come into the church. We know how to be number one in our own lives. We know how to get what we want. We know how to shortchange others and make sure that we have enough. We come into the body of Christ like that. What we don't know is how to say, we now see him as Lord and Savior, and now we're going to allow him to serve us. It's almost impossible when you see Jesus for who he really is and what he's really done to then say, yeah, there's a bucket, man. Come on over. Think about that. Verse 6 of our chapter this morning says, Jesus came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Picture it now, right? Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. (coughs) Peter had this problem with, like, saying things to Jesus that you shouldn't say to Jesus. And my Bible has an exclamation point, so you can tell he was being arrogant about it. You shall never wash my feet, Jesus. But think about it. We look back and say, oh, Peter, you should have kept your mouth quiet. But it, he's, he's beginning to understand who Jesus is as Lord and Savior. And he can't imagine him coming to him and washing his feet. Yeah. He's not being ignorant here or stupid here or, or, or arrogant here. He's actually saying, I know who you are now. Like that woman at the well that you met and you were talking to and you're giving each other water, she didn't really understand at that point. Those people that came from miles around and you gave them all that food and that bread and then what they decided to do was just go back home, right? 
These people that you heal and you tell them go sin no more, like they didn't fully understand. He said, but I fully know who you are and there's no way you're about to get this bucket and humiliate yourself by washing my dirty feet. It goes on. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, then, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. So Jesus begins to explain to Peter uh, why Peter can't just have a relationship with him where he's only Lord. Think about it for a second. Peter recognizes him as Lord. and He says, I want you to stay, Lord. There's not going to be any serving. There's not going to be any washing feet. And Jesus' answer is, you cannot have a relationship with me if I'm just going to be Lord. I have to be Lord and authority in your life, but I also have to be able to serve you in your life. And if you don't allow me to serve you in your life, you actually have no part with me. Amen. It's crazy. Our God is amazing. You know what he is? He's the archetype. There's nobody like him. What is this idea, this bathing that he talks about? Jesus says to Peter, listen, if you've already washed, if you've already been bathed, you don't need to do that again. I just need to wash your feet. For me, what I see in this scripture is bathing is about uh, baptism here. And the washing of the feet is about sanctification. So when you've been fully bathed, when you've washed your whole body, which, what Jesus is saying is you've been baptized, you've given your whole life to me, and I've washed away all of your sins, right? I've forgiven you for all those things. This washing of the feet is about your sanctification. You still live in this world, which means you're walking around in it, and I have to sanctify you. What did he say? You have no part with me if I don't do that. What he's saying is you can't be close to me, you can't be used by me if you are not sanctified. Think about it in the Old Testament. When somebody brought a, a sacrifice or an animal, it had to have no blemishes. It had to be perfect. It had to be clean. When they were going to use uh, tools and utensils in the temple, they had to be sanctified, washed clean, prayed over, anointed, and set aside as holy for use in the temple. And Jesus is saying the same thing. If you've given your life to me, you've been washed, you've been saved, you've been baptized in water. You've been baptized. He says, but if you want to walk with me and be used by me for holy things, you have to be sanctified. And the only way for that to happen is I can't just be Lord that you bow down to, that I save your sins. I have to be servant unto you that washes your feet and sanctifies you. <clears throat> Jesus' service and caregiving is healing and it's restorative in our lives. But it's also what allows us to have part with him, right? It's beautiful to have his healing and to have his caregiving and to have him do things in your life this washing of our feet, this service unto us. But it's not just so you can be a little bit happier. What he's saying is, now I can use you for service. I can serve you, and now you can serve others like I served you because you've been sanctified and you're holy and you're set apart. A wonderful caregiver we have. So here's the question as we close. Will you and I be able to see Jesus as Lord and servant this year? Will you be able to submit unto his authority? Will you be able to, when he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, will you say, yes, Lord? It's hard. It hurts. I don't want to. I fell short. I'm sorry. I'm going to try again. 
you are Lord of my life in 2020. Not my passions, not my desires, not what I want most, but you are Lord of my life. I think for many years, many of us have probably been trying to get there and accomplish that, right? Make Jesus actually Lord of your life and not just Savior. But man, I, I really feel like God is asking me and asking me to ask you if not only will we do that, but will we allow him to be servant in our lives? Will we allow him to wash our feet? Will we mature enough to understand what that means? Will we allow him to sanctify us, transform us and change us? I have a feeling that some of us who have been failing to make him Lord of our lives, if we try to make him Lord and Savior, we might find ourselves actually successful. He might provide the healing and the restoration that we need as he serves us, and that might empower us to actually serve him better. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray. Jesus is the archetype of serving. And here's what I'd like you to do as we, uh, as we pray. Here's what I want you to think about. Matter of fact, why don't we just bow our heads? I think without thinking very hard, draw your heads, close your eyes this morning. Without thinking very hard, I want you just to picture Jesus, the stories that we've heard in the Gospels. And I think what will be easy for each of us to find is that he's the archetype of serving and caregiving. How many people did he encounter and he blessed them? How many people did he encounter and he healed them? How many people did he encounter and he fed them? Blind eyes were opened, deaf ears were opened. Paralyzed people stood and walked. Hungry people were fed. People who had their kids who had passed away, they were raised to life. A brother was restored to life, back to his sisters. I mean, this, this Jesus cares. This Jesus serves. His first miracle is at a wedding for somebody else, and he just blesses. So easy to see, that's who he is. But I think if we read through those same Gospels, he's also the archetype of allowing himself to be served. He'd go into a house and they'd feed him. He'd go into a house and, and somebody would come up and begin to cry and wash his feet with her tears and then to dry them with her hair. And he didn't stop these people because he understands that not only do you have to serve, but in his kingdom you have to allow yourself to be served. He'd go into a house and a woman would bring the most valuable oil that she has, years worth of wages, and he'd allow her to break that and anoint him and allow himself to be served. And then you know what he says? I'm the archetype. Do what I do. Serve like I serve and allow yourself to be served like I allow myself to be served. The only way to do this right is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be guided by God himself in order to be successful. But man, we got to try. Lord, help us to serve like you serve. Help us to allow ourselves to be served the same way that you were. Not in an unholy way, but in a perfect, the perfect example type way. So if you're here, Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around, it's between you and the Lord. The first thing Jesus said to his disciples was, if you've already bathed, if you've already been washed, you're clean. 
He was saying, if you've already given your whole life to me and I've washed away all of your sins, you are clean, you are saved, you are forgiven. He said, but that's first. He actually said, all of you are not clean. There was one in that group named Judas. And Jesus, even though he was serving him and even though he was blessing him and feeding him and actually allowing him to be in the group, Jesus knew that he was not washed, his sins were not forgiven, and he was not clean. And he made that clear to his group. The other 11 were washed and they were clean. And all they did was say, Jesus, we believe that you are Lord. We believe that you're the Messiah from heaven and we're going to follow you. Sometimes a church can make that more complicated than it is. It's that simple. If you're here and you want to be washed, you want to be saved, you know that you have sinned in the past, you know that you are going to sin in the future, but in your heart, you want God, you want salvation, you want hope, you want forgiveness. There's a servant that's died on a cross for you already and says that he's waiting for you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you and you want to be saved this morning, you want to be washed, you want to be forgiven, I promise you that whether it's today or tomorrow or six months from now, God himself will confirm the decision that you make today so that you know that it's real. But at some point, you have to make a decision. Would you start off this year by making a decision for Jesus? If that's you, would you raise your hand so we can pray for you? That you'd give your life to the Lord, that you'd be saved, that you'd be washed, you'd know that you're clean, you could hear the voice of Jesus. Anybody this morning, just raise your hand. I see you, sis. I see you too, sis. Women surrounding the cross, just like when Jesus gave his life. Are there any others this morning that would join? Yeah, we can give the Lord a hand. Thank you for them, Lord. Amen. Anybody else, before we move forward, heads bowed, eyes closed, be praying. If you're already saved, be praying. Anybody else, before we move forward, you want to join these other two and say, look, I want to give my life to Jesus too. Just raise your hand. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, young man. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good. You're such a good caretaker, Jesus. You see your son. You love him. You see your daughters in this place. You love them, Lord God. You knew that today was the day for them. I thank you that we get to be witnesses, Lord. Wash them. Wash them clean. Let them know that they're clean. Let them know that they're saved. Would you show up for them? Anybody else this morning before we move? Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. Lord, we thank you this morning for the salvations. We thank you for washing them. I pray, Lord, that you would wash them with your word every day. Help them to know you more and more and deeper and deeper. And I pray that from day one, that you would be able to serve them, that they would let you wash them, Lord God, that they would let you come in and do your work of sanctification for them, Lord God. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. We're so grateful, Lord. Send support around them, Lord. In those days, like I mentioned, where it was hard for me, we know that there may be very, very difficult days ahead for these three. Would you send support that would be aware of that and strengthen them and encourage them and help them, Lord God? Thank you, Jesus. Last two things I want to pray for this morning. Uh, 
If you're here and you haven't been baptized and you just feel this morning that this is your year, you want to be baptized, would you raise your hand so I can see you? We can make sure that we get you baptized. Amen. Let's give her a hand. <laughs> we got another one here. Amen. We've got two now that need to be, want to be baptized. Anybody else that you already know this is your year? Amen. We see a third in the back. Amen. Amen. God is doing a new thing. He's doing a good thing. Amen. Amen. So I think we have it scheduled for February. I think the end of February is Baptism Sunday. That gives you a little bit of time where we can go through some things with you guys and just make sure you're ready. And if the, if the Lord says so, we can do it sooner, but let's just talk. Let's make sure that you get with one of us to talk about that uh, before you leave today. And then the last prayer, I'm going to open the altar so that we can have communion um, and that we can pray. The last thing I want to pray for is anybody... If there was anything that ministered to you, please come forward and, and come to the altar. But, but specifically, I felt the Lord say, ask um, if any of you feel like you, wanna, you want God to help you learn how to let him serve you. Right? Your, your mind has been more focused on how do I become a better servant? How do I become a better Christian? How do I become a better mother? How do I become a better father? How do I become a better friend? All that kind of stuff. We, you know, we're, we're all there. We understand that. But if you feel like you actually really need to learn how to let Jesus serve you and change you and heal you. Um, I just feel like he's going to do something special in this place this morning. Amen. So I'm going to open the altars and I'm going to pray. So for those that gave your life to the Lord, the, the altars are open, but somebody will come in and talk to you. For those that want to get baptized, if you want to just come forward and, and get prayed over, that would be awesome as well. And for those this morning that feel like we just have to learn how to let you serve us, Lord, because you said you have to be Lord and Savior and servant. You are the archetype of all these things. We come forward, Lord, in faith. We come forward to meet with you at this altar. The same way we read through all the scriptures, people met with you at altars, and then they built altars, and they came back to those altars. We want to meet you here in this place, Lord. As we receive communion this morning, we remember what you've done for us that your body was broken on the cross that you didn't call down legions of angels from heaven to save you you were meek and you allowed yourself to be crucified you said that nobody takes your life you lay it down of your own free will you said you have power to lay it down and power to take it back up again on the third day you rose back to life that we would be able to rise in newness of life Lord meet us here Meet us here at this altar. Meet us here in this time of worship. Meet us here in this time of prayer, Lord. Continue to do your work. Continue to do your work of caregiving and serving us. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. You're free. I was nowhere you came to my rescue. From the grave I've been raised. When I needed a savior to save me. Jesus, you made a way. West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.